we got the Filthy Flamingo Gang here, led by Austin. What's up, my man? How's it going? Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course, man. Uh, I think this was the number one startup in Orlando that I wanted, so uh, I'm trying not to be a little fanboy. I actually called Chad this morning. I was like, hey, should I wear any of my Duvin stuff? And he's like, make sure you don't wear anything too new, because then you'll look like a fraud. So now I know you've been in it for a while because you got the throwbacks on. I was like, I think I got these like five, six years ago. Yeah, those are one of the first ones. Those are, I don't know how long ago. I think like five years. But I was impressed when you walked down and I was like, oh, okay. I I changed too. I'm not going to lie. This sounds really bad. I'll admit (laughs) it though. I even called a FaceTime chat this morning. I was like, hey, look at the gear. Think this is good. And he's like, you got to put something Duvin on. I was like, I don't know. I don't know. Should I? I should have brought you a little care package, so I'll have to come back and uh, I'll bring you some gear next time. I know, I was shopping on your website this morning, too. It's It's gotten a lot better. I mean, I'm biased, but over time, the quality, the design, everything's gotten a lot better. Your website is deadly because there's so much dope, badass shit. I'm like doing my little cart, and I was like, I don't really want to spend two grand. I think I added too many products. Yeah, we're trying to figure out, like, to... Our customers definitely, like, once they start buying some, they, like, keep coming and their closet just builds out to, like, a ton of Duvin. So, like, how do we build out a, a better loyalty system that, like, really rewards that? I mean, we have it to some degree, but I think moving forward, like, we got to figure that out. It's cool because it's such a unique, distinct style that if someone is going to wear even one shirt, you got to almost have a nice part of your closet being Duvin stuff well i've seen it like way too many times where the guy's like i can't wear that and then the girlfriend the wife uh significant others like no like i'm gonna buy you something and then they wear a button up or something and they get 20 compliments and then they're back in our dms or they're like messaging us like all right i, I need five more like just line it up so it's, it's probably do you think that's changing a little bit now as time's going on because i feel like what three four years ago guys were a little more hesitant on being flashy they kind of needed that support from compliments or women and then now it's guys are wanting on their own to be a little more flashy are you seeing a pickup yeah for sure i mean so social media just pushes that to the nth degree like instagram like everyone wants their instagram shot and uh, yeah, when we started, everyone thought we were crazy. Like eight, nine years ago, we were, our idea was like pastels, tie dyes, all this like weird like throwback stuff. And at the time, it was like navy blue, black tees, logos, maybe like very calm. And uh, so at the beginning, especially like, trying to get into retailers, like people were like, "What is this?" And now it's like everything. Like that's the trend. Like. All the new brands are pushing that, so it's kind of interesting. Yeah, you got you got a note to say, have a day when you have the Duvin around. That's right. Um, so for anyone listening, share a little bit more about your business just as like a summary. It's a, it's a long story, but to, to shorten it down, it is a clothing company. I grew up here in Orlando and started it with a couple of my best friends, um, the idea almost started when we were in high school. So like you went uh, to Lake Highland, Lake Highland prep. Yep. So I think we started talking about it in like Oh six graduated Oh seven. Um, One year behind. 
Yeah. Starting to get up there now. I don't know where we're the time's old. gone. <laughs> but old quick. Yeah, it, it starts happening way quicker. Someone asked me my age the other day, and I was like, I don't know. It's Literally like two start... days ago, I had. I think I said my age wrong, and I swore I was right. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I'm 30. <laughs> no, I'm 31, about to turn 32. Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> you start losing track, right? Yeah, it's quick. But, yeah, so we kept in touch, obviously, through college, and in college started printing T-shirts. Uh, one of us was at University of California, Irvine, one at UF. I was at U- uh, Rollins and then UCF. And we just started t- selling T-shirts out of our cars. Um, and that was kind of like the start of it. Um, no one really took it too seriously. And then when we all graduated, we moved back and moved into a house together. And that became our warehouse, our office. We lived together. And it was a slow process, but we really started just building it from that. Um, started it with our own cash, just... It required us selling out of everything we made, would take the all the money, put it back in, buy a little more inventory, and didn't pay ourselves for like the first five years, maybe, six you have years. To take that sacrifice. Yeah. I mean, you just kind of have to. Yeah. So, and then we all worked, my parents owned surf shops, so we uh, all worked for them, and then that kind of was giving us like an inside view of like, watching people shop what do they like what do they dislike what's missing and so that was kind of how we molded the brand and like found our niche and uh, built it from that how how do you and the friend group like choose each other i guess more so before it even started how do you guys even decide we want to do something together it was just like in discussions and um there was actually another guy that was in the initial discussions. And then before we even uh, started it, he bowed out. He's like, actually, I don't want to do this. And then there was a fourth guy. He's still a part of the business. He stepped away um, and he's doing his own thing. He's really successful and just in a different industry. So there's really three of us at this point, And we kind of got lucky that we just did it because we were friends and we we had no idea, no experience. And we're all actually very different at what we're good at. That's that probably helped out. Yeah. So I think that's like the biggest thing where I ended up being really good at design. I mean, I'm biased, I guess. But <laughs> so you're the design guy, though. Uh, yeah. So I do all the creative, like marketing, front facing stuff that you see. Um, I design all the clothes, marketing, and now we have more people that are helping me, but it's kind of my division. And then Sean uh, O'Meara, he runs all our wholesale, works with our retailers, uh, does like in-person events, that kind of stuff, some marketing. And then their third guy, Garrett, he does like, he's like the glue guy. He does like manufacturing. He's like all the behind the scenes and he's like the crazy organized the like one. management guy yeah. that just kind of rides the shit the captain exactly so it's like we just got super lucky that us three like all our strengths like fell into these different slots um like i'm not a sales guy i don't want to do sales and sean's like the ultimate talker like 
he'll become your best friend in five <laughs> seconds. Like he, and he loves it. He's just good at it. And so it's just, we kind of got lucky in that way. Did that flow of how, what part of the business you guys are all kind of going to do or focus on? Did that just naturally flow or did you guys even have to like sit down and figure it out or was it just at the beginning? It was it? just everyone running around, not knowing what was going on <laughs> and it, with the head cut off. Yeah. And so like, the other guys were doing some of the design early on. I was trying to help with sales. It was just like whatever anyone can do. And then naturally it was like, oh, actually, like I have an eye for what's like doing well and like the end point of the design. And Sean was getting more on the retail front and I'm definitely not the organized. And Garrett started naturally just trying to like organize me and Sean and like what we're doing. And so it kind of naturally just came together that way. And what brought the initial idea? I know you said your parents were owning surf shops and kind of doing things on that side. Is that what created the idea or was it kind of uh, coexisting with the idea and then also knowing that, hey, I'm watching them do it and maybe I can connect these two things? Yeah, it was a combination of things. Um, Watching my parents work in retail was one. And then my dad was actually a professional water skier here in Orlando or based out of Orlando. And he was sponsored by No Fear, Oakley Sunglasses, like all these big, cool brands back in the 80s, 90s. And I just kind of grew up around that, like his sponsors and like going to events and going to like Oakley headquarters and like just seeing all this crazy stuff. And I was like, wow, this is really cool. And I think that just kind of stuck with me where once I started working for my parents in the store and like seeing these brands like Volcom was just that was the shit at the time. Yep. Quicksilver, Billabong, that was they were big, but like Volcom was like the thing. I think Volcom and Hurley. Were yeah. Like- Exactly. I, I used to work at the surf shop in uh, City Walk, Quiet Flight, and those were those were my two favorite. I would always ac- ask for the Hurley Volcom section. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then I, th- I mean, I went to Surf Expo. It's in Orlando, yep. and I remember going with my parents to like buy, like they're buying for their shop, and we went to the Volcom booth. And looking back on it, it pure chaos. Probably wasn't the best sales strategy for them, but as like a young kid. They have a skate ramp. They I was going to say, ramp. didn't they have a little skate park? <laughs> yeah. So you're like in a meeting, skateboards are flying over your head. They have like a metal band just like playing as loud as they can. Everyone's drinking. They're throwing like, stickers on yeah. everybody. Girls are like flashing in their shirt. It's just pure chaos. And you're wild. like, I'm in a sales meeting? Like, <laughs> <laughs> And so just stuff like that where I was like, I, this is the world I want to be in. This is the industry. Um, but I just never really wanted to like work for somebody. I wanted to do it myself and, uh, they had the same kind of concepts of like, they wanted to be entrepreneurs. So we kind of just tried to make it happen. So do you think kind of watching your parents kind of be in that world, is that kind of what made you realize I want to run my own thing? I want to, I don't want a boss. Yeah. I, when I was young, I was just like, I'm going to be a pro athlete. And I was, I played a ton of basketball and then eventually shifted like to tennis. And I was like, I'm going to go pro tennis and I'm never going to, I don't want to work. Like, I don't want a job. I had a bunch of health issues, injuries, and it just it became clear. I was not going to, not going to make it. And so the kind of transition from that was like, what am I going to do? I just, I knew deep down, like I wasn't going to go get a full-time job and go sit at a desk. 
And so it's like, I better figure it out. Like what, what's it going to be? Um, and I think we started young enough that it gave us the time to like make mistakes. We didn't have significant others, like families to take care of. So like we could just live super mellow, like take the risk, like take the risk. And yeah, like now I couldn't go five years and just not take any money. Like, I mean, I guess I could, but, uh, like Garrett, you know, he's married now. Like I'm a very serious girlfriend. So it's just like different times. Um, Sean has a serious girlfriend as well. So, just yeah, I don't know. It'd be a lot tougher at this point, but. And so you worked at um, was it your dad's business or the surf sh- store in Disney Springs, Curl? Yeah. And how, so how did that come about? How, where were you at when you started working there, like me- mentally? Uh, I was at college, so I was finishing up college, and I mean the brand was okay, but it wasn't doing anything crazy. Like we were still you know, struggling to just keep the lights on and excuse me. Um, so, I mean, I was working almost full time at the surf shop and, um, but at the end I was just like still being around all these brands, like, uh, and managing that store and helping them with buying. I was just like, I know there's something missing here that like we can fill the void. Um, so it kind of just pushed me to like keep going. And the cool thing was working at the shop gave me a little more versatility where a normal job, I probably couldn't take off all the time, but I could get time off when I needed and kind of just jet out and do what I needed to do. And you, you had Duvin things on a table. I heard in uh, curl, uh, I met Chad's your number one customer back then for sure. Yeah. Uh, so how did you even come about creating the clothes to even get on a table while you were still working as a manager for curl. Yeah, we just, it, manufacturing was impossible. And like that long ago, I mean, obviously the internet was still going, but it's just like today it's like getting on the internet and sourcing clothing is like a huge industry. And like any, like you can do it, there's levels to it, but people can figure it out quicker. Back then I was just like, it was chaos. And like the first guy we gave money to just like, took all of our money and then filed for bankruptcy immediately. Damn. So like, and there was just all these things like, so we finally flew to California. There's a fabric district in LA and we just started walking around. And if like somebody looked like they were in the industry, like we just stop them and be like, how do we make clothes? Like, where do we make them? Like give us connects and like just started pressuring people. And a few people like, were like, okay, like I'll help you and started pushing us in the right direction then we finally found a legit like manufacturer in LA and started there so we would drive around LA all like pick up fabrics and then we'd be like I bet we could sell a hundred of those so we would buy like the rough estimation take it down the street have it sewn and then fly it back to Florida and like that was the process for a while wow so this bankruptcy guy was this before you went out to California yeah, we had, he was actually based in California, but he was someone that we had found, I think on the internet or I can't remember, but the internet it, back then was just like Craigslist. I think. Yeah, it was, it was <laughs> I, I mean, I'm talking like I'm super old now, but it just, I don't know if it was different and we found this guy and he, I mean, we put all our money into her. Like we're going to take our shot, like gave him like 10 grand 
And then he had this whole story, like the factory, like their workers weren't coming in, like they needed more money and we were stupid. So we gave them more scam artists. Yeah. (laughs) And actually that was his business. That's what he did. Like he was doing manufacturing for other companies and he just ripped a bunch of people off at the same time. And wow. Yeah. So it was just like you you learn those stories along the way and we survived that and we just kind of kept trucking. But did you ever think of giving up on that dream right then and there not then that one i was just so angry it almost (laughs) motivated you to keep going yeah i uh i I won't repeat some of the stuff that was said but i was uh, that was the maybe the most angry i've ever been in my life but there was definitely um some times where i questioned it i think some of the, uh, the guys questioned it and um things started like really picking up maybe three years ago maybe a little less than that, but there was a timestamp in there where we were doing a decent amount of sales and never had more than $5,000 in our bank account for like years at a time. And in the, I remember sitting in a meeting and we owed money and literally we didn't have enough in our bank account. And Garrett went in the other uh, bathroom, transferred personal money out of his bank account without anyone knowing just without to, like, make and it I'm like, seem professional. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like acting like, yeah, no problem. We're gonna pay you right now. <laughs> and he, you know, so he transfers the money we pay. And then we're just like, fuck, we're at zero. Like we're negative yeah, at we're, this point. We're down. Yeah. We're negative. So, I mean, that stress just kind of it lingered for a while because it was constant. We just couldn't get out of that hole. Even though we were growing, we were just taking all our capital and we just buy more inventory and just push the line, push the line. And yeah, it was was some scary moments in there and some stress. And that was the, you know, we were second guessing it a little bit where it's like, we're getting older. We're not making money personally, like the brand's growing, but if something happens and this all craters, like, we're fucked. Yeah. Like we just kept pushing the chips all, in all over and over. And we got nothing. Yeah. So, um, but thankfully, like we kind of persevered, had some breaks go our way, you know, right after that, and started growing a lot quicker. So, what was it more of an issue with the amount you were ordering of inventory, or was it more of not really understanding the margins and the number side of it? It was a combination. Yeah, I'd say accounting and that side was our weak point for sure. Like we since like hired people that know what they're doing and really help project that. But like inventory management, cash flow, and a lot of the problem generated from we built a lot of the initial business on wholesale. Okay. But for that, we would, you know, pre-sell stuff, have to pay for it out of pocket, um, that would, you would put 50% deposit down and then three months later have to pay the remaining 50%, then ship it to, you know, 50, a hundred stores. And then they don't pay you for 30 to 45 days. And then half of those are late. So that yeah. you're like getting 60 days out. So you start getting like five, six months pushed on the initial cash investment. And then like the next line, you're like trying to make double the inventory. And it's just like, well, I haven't even collected 50% of oh, what first. we shipped out on the first stuff. So like, how do we make double the inventory? But so that was where it was just like credit cards, just like loans, like whatever we could like, we did factoring for a while. Um, I mean, we did a little bit of everything just like scraping by. 
was the plan wholesale from the get-go? Because I know you said you s- sold these shirts out of your car, so that was direct to consumer. Where, where did it? When did it switch to wholesale? It was a combination, but yeah, the direct or the direct was just out of necessity early on. And like back then, the D 2 C thing wasn't nearly as big. It was like all about retail. And like, where could you get in? Um, so, and the one thing I will say is like working in the shop and buying for the shop kind of gave me some insight into like how to talk to these people and what our strategy should be. So we just started being like, well, if we could get the pre-orders, like we could go factor that or like we could get the money. So it ended up not being that easy, obviously, but that was like the initial plan. (laughs) And then eventually, you know, after a few years, we were like, okay, like D to C is becoming a thing. Like we need to be able to figure out how to just access all our customers directly. And that became a bigger focus for us. So we still do the wholesale thing. It's growing. Sean handles that great, manages that, but like a lot of our focus is like, how do we grow as a brand online and shipping direct to people? So, so we're going to go backwards a little bit. So when we went to California, went through that whole ordeal, I guess we can say, came back to Florida with the goods. And then what transpired once you guys got back? How did you guys kind of take the business from there? Or what was, I guess, the start of a business? Yeah, I mean, so we would store everything in our house. There was multiple dogs in there. I mean, we would put blankets on all the clothes because when we would cook, because we were like, we don't want the smell smell getting on the clothes, you know. And so it just started eventually like there's clothes in every room and then it's got its own room and then it's like it's <laughs> not, in the living room not paying rent yeah and so it's just like everywhere we like we had stuff just jammed everywhere and we're like this is not gonna work so we eventually got like a really small warehouse actually first we convinced my parents to give us a spot in their warehouse so they had a pretty big warehouse uh, for curl and so we just took a small portion in that and then same thing, like it just started, it started growing, growing and growing. <laughs> and all of a sudden we had like half the warehouse. And my dad's like, you got to figure this out. Like what's going on? So did you, did you ever talk shit to your dad saying like, hey, dad, let me grow. I'm out doing you. Don't get mad. Well, I, I have to be honest, like they were a huge part of, of getting of you the up growth. and running. Yeah. And they pushed me in the store when we probably shouldn't have been in there. Like if I didn't know them, we wouldn't have been in there. Like the brand wasn't where it needed to be, to be in like a very high end retailer like that. And then they leveraged their connections to like get me internships to like find other retail connections. So they were a huge part in, in that growth. So they were just very happy, but they were like, we need our space too. <laughs> yeah, we, we can't fail to you, son. Exactly. So I, I think the big thing too, that kind of going off of what you said, and I'm, I like tying back to one of these first episodes. Um, one of the guys, Taylor, he brought up a comment saying, we are, we can all say that we're self-made, even if we're starting up from scratch with zero money in our account, selling shirts from a trunk. But it's not self-made when you are getting help or mentors. Like, self-made is not really a true thing. No one actually does it completely on their own. That's impossible. You need help. You need support. You need family or friends or any connections that are possible. Yeah, I don't think we would have made it um, 
without uh, my parents. And then Garrett's dad was, um, he's actually an investor now, but he originally was with Marriott and ran their timeshare division for a ton of years. And um, he has like a completely different business side Mm -hmm. that like we lack. And like, uh, it's just like another person that came in and was like, this is how you organize this. Like, what are you guys doing? So like, we've had all these people and then like our friend groups, like the amount of support they've given us is insane. And I think honestly, because we have a huge group of friends, there's probably like 20 or 30 of us that are extremely close, known each other forever. I was gonna say, isn't most of your models people you actually know, like friends? Yeah, a lot of people, like we don't really like pay people, which is like (laughs) ourselves, our friends, like, um, but they just like all like in their own other circles, like we're pushing Duvin, like tagging us nonstop wearing it. And even back in the day when it was shitty, like <laughs> we didn't know what we were doing. Materials were crap. The fit was crap. And they just kept like supporting us. And I don't think we would have made it without that. Do you, do you think that was kind of, uh, that moment of clarity that, Hey, we might have something just from, seeing your friends like almost supported on their own. Do you think that that gave you that uh, confidence inside? Like, Hey, I think we have something. Let's keep going. Yeah. I think there's a combination of that. And then just some external factors that like when a couple events have happened, it's been like, okay, like we do have something here. And like, there's been a handful of those moments where it's just like, okay, we better buckle up and like, some of them actually did hit and it was crazy. Some of them didn't, but, uh, yeah, some of those more external moments I, I'd say like brings that like, Oh shit. Like maybe this is happening. It's a good old shit. But what, what was the big event or the big moment where it wasn't just an, Oh shit. I think we have it, but more of a, Oh shit. We do have it. Um, there's been like a couple like super famous people that have worn it where I was just like, it was like the initial, oh shit, like bad bunny was wearing, like he did this like beach music video with Diplo like a few years ago and was just wearing like our stuff head to toe, like out of, he found it in a retailer or something like we had nothing. Oh, you didn't even reach out to him. No. That was like one of the main things I wanted to ask. Like, how did you even get into the, that famous people model? uh section yeah originally it was just like they liked the clothes they found it somewhere and then like now that's evolved into like we can kind of leverage all the people that are wearing it and they're like here like do you want to like you want some gear like look at all these other celebrities like where we're featured and then they're like oh this is actually really sick like i'll take some stuff so like the past year it's that stuff has just exploded because it kind of just snowballs where it's like Oh, then this person's wearing it. Then this, and it just, um, like the DMs at uh, our Duvin DMs lately. I'm like, holy shit. Some of these people, like we're talking to, I'm like, a lot of blue check marks. Yeah. We've come a long <laughs> way. We've come a long way. But, um, yeah. So that was like a crazy one where people were just like sending us the music video. And I was like, wow, like Bad Bunny. It's like the biggest artist in the world is like wear how far, stuff. How far ago was that? When I think it was happen? like three years ago, two and a half years ago. Oh wow, Bad Bunny! You only started wearing Duvin after me. There you go. You got <laughs> you got a one up on Bad Bunny. Yeah, there. take that, man. Uh, I, and it's kind of like what I'm. I know it sounds bad, but I think that's what I'm doing with you right now. Saying your Duvin is my 
Bad Bunny. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, you're gonna, you're gonna blow up. It's, I can already tell. Like this is gonna be a sick pod. So I, I'm I'm about it. This is dope. I'm not gonna lie. I woke up this morning. I think I had a similar feeling when I was six and was going to Disney for like the first time. <laughs> Saw those teacups and I was like, "Oh fuck, here I go!" Woo-hoo. I love it. I appreciate that. Dude. Yeah, man. I appreciate I- you having me on. Yeah, of course. So when B- Bad Bunny or was that the first profession or there's, first famous? Yeah, there was a, a few like pretty famous people, but that's the one that like sticks out to me. And then I'd say like Diplo was really big back then. Well, he's yeah, he big was big now, but yeah, he wasn't wearing the stuff. But yeah, he at that time Diplo too. I mean, he still is, but was just like everywhere. What's um, hilarious is I would view Diplo so quick to actually wear Dubin stuff like his. <laughs> His yeah. music, his style is so Dubin. I he's like the dude that I want wearing it so bad, and we just can't get. So Diplo, if you're out there, I'll send you some gear, buddy. Diplo, but, wear your cowboy hat, and then all Diplo or all Dubin attire. A tropical cowboy. I think that's a thing. The Diplo Dubin. I'm sure there's a dope name that's somewhere in there that there's we can figure out. There, that's for sure. We'll put a whole business plan together and then reach out to Diplo. Yeah. That's for sure. I mean, I would be so stoked. Like, that's what, sometimes there's just like random people that we've been like, I really want them wearing the gear, and we just can't make it happen, no matter how hard we try. Like, what connects we pull? Like, it's been sometimes it just doesn't work. But is that uh, a personal choice of theirs, or is that just they're repping too many brands already, or what? what what's I mean, that hold up? I think there's also like there's so much chaos in those guys' worlds that like he still might not know that we're trying to give him clothing. Like he he might not even know what Duvin is. He might not know that we've been reaching out. Like it's just there's so much going on and like I can only imagine. Like I see kind of like our DMs and like the size that we are, or, like customer service, just any of that influx and then someone like that's like I don't even know exponentially how much bigger and reach they have. And it's, it's almost overwhelming to think about that. So I, I don't know if you're allowed to answer this. What's been the most impactful, uh, famous celebrity that wore your clothes, that one they posted with it, that things really took a bigger jump? Uh, Chase Stokes. Are you familiar yep. with him? I went to high school with him. Did you really? Yeah. yeah. Outer Banks, everyone. Shout out, Chase. Exactly. I actually, uh, my barber does both of our hairs, uh, and we went, he went to high school with us too. So every time Chase comes back in town, it's, uh, he gets swamped. Yeah. It's, it's insane. And he started like DMing me personally, like way before he got into Outer Banks and blew up. And I was just like, it's like some random guy. I've never met him. And like, we just had a few DMs. Like, how do you find it retail as well? I don't know. I, he's, I think he was just at UCF or in Orlando and saw it. Um, and then he hit me up and he's like, hey, I'm, I have my own show on Netflix. And, like, I want to wear your stuff on the show. And we get people saying, like, random stuff like that all Damn, the Chase time. Chase had that kind of pull right out the gate. <laughs> and I was like, I don't. I mean, he has his own show. Like, it's pro- he's probably inflating, like, what's actually so going to happen. Not Netflix. It's, like, Fletflix. Some, yeah, basically. <laughs> some fake uh, streaming service. Exactly. I mean, people, all like, they're just always poking, like, trying to figure out how to get free stuff, you know? And so I was like, uh, whatever. Yeah, I was like, I'll give you some gear. 
And then he like sends me the poster like a few months later. Or he actually came to the warehouse, picked it up. And I was like, this guy is super cool. Like I was like very down to earth. Like we got along great. And so we just stayed in touch. And then he sends me like the poster for the show. And I'm like, holy shit. Like it's literally just his face. It's the poster of like this Netflix show. <laughs> and it actually says Netflix. Yeah. Oh. I'm like, whoa. And so then it comes out and he's wearing like. He has like four or five outfits throughout the season and he's wearing our stuff like half the time. And it just went insane. And then to like double down, he went very much out of his way to tell people what it was. Like he was on giant podcasts, like talking about me and Duvin and like how we're boys. And it was like, not many people would do that. Yeah. And just that follow up on top of the hype, like people just went bonkers and our warehouse just emptied out. And I was like, holy shit. Now, like I've had influencers like have an effect, but to see it to that level, I was like, and then you still see it like, that's like a different s- level of influencer. I mean, that's a, now it's an actor. It's yeah. not just an influencer. Like he's a whole step higher than that. Yeah, and he's, like, I mean, his level, he's, like, doing stuff with, like, George Clooney and, you know, like, an ad. Or you're just, like, what is going on, right? But it's crazy. It was in drama class at Timber Creek. <laughs> it, I mean, yeah. It, it's wild and how quick it's happened. But, like you said, like, he can't go anywhere. Like, he's getting. Nowhere. Yeah, he's, like, getting just mobbed everywhere he goes. So, his level, yeah, he. I'm super grateful, and he had a huge impact for sure. And where was the business at singly at that moment when he reached out? Where were we at with Duvin? We were in a pretty good spot, but, like, the rate of growth wasn't where I wanted. Um, we were probably in 50, 75 uh, retailers, and our online had been, like, we're like probably two, three years into like really pushing direct to consumer. And that was like, it was picking up, but it still like, wasn't um, like, we're like a, Oh oh shit moment where we're like, we need more inventory. Now it was always kind of like, we were like pushing inventory out like like as big, but steady. And yeah, it was just like rolling a rock up a hill and it was just like a constant grind and we were growing, but it was, we were scrapping for everything. And then that happened and like we had just, I mean, warehouse completely overwhelmed, like everyone's jobs shut down. We're all warehouse employees. And it was just like a month of just shipping every single piece out of our warehouse. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, that was pretty cool. What was the strategy when that happened? Because I think I've I've heard a lot of entrepreneurs or startups where they have that, uh, you know, they get blessed enough to have that moment, but then they handle or they react to that situation poorly and it ends up backfiring whether it's over ordering or growing too fast and then it crashing and burning well what was y'all's plan of action and what do you do you think you took the right route yeah i think for us our goal has always been like how do we make sure the customer has the best experience how do we tell a story and then like give the customer something that they'd want to talk about to their friends or whoever and so like we started just like really honing in on like the customer service, the shipping and like dialing some of that in. Like there were still some loose parts there that became apparent quickly when you start 
you scale your daily orders 5x like overnight and so it's just like filling those gaps we definitely over ordered immediately after say, that scaling's not as easy as people might think i know uh people that don't, haven't done a startup or been part of it they think scaling is just like oh that means you're doing well you can just grow and that's good it's yep. like but there's a lot of strategy and a lot of little pieces that if you just fuck fuck it up right there it's all not scaling. Yeah, I mean, we definitely overordered right after that. But the good thing I will say was that a lot of those people actually stuck around. So I think that means that we did a good job on delivering like our promise and what they expected on their order. I mean, there's definitely some fallout of just pure Outer Banks, Chase Stokes, diehards that <laughs> immediately were just like, I got the shirt he's wearing on the show. I don't need, I don't care about the company or anything but i'd say at least half or more like stuck around and are super into the brand now so like there was just growth that just built in and just stayed and then from there like the exponential growth of like the more people obviously the quicker stuff starts to grow so did you already have did you guys think at all that that could be the situation where he repped this and we're gonna have a big influx in you know sales but it could die back down did you guys even think of that or was yeah, it riding I, high yeah we were just <laughs> riding high and we we're like let's just i don't want to miss this this train the wave you know? yeah so i think it was just like let's take advantage and if we overorder a little bit like we can live with it but how'd you get in all the stores because i know you're at uh, i want to say a buck 50 now it's a it's less covid like a, a lot of stores just closed and never opened back up but um, yeah, we're probably like a hundred, 120. It fluctuates a little bit, like depending like seasonally and stuff. Um, but a lot of that was trade show and just building relationships. And, um, we used to sell to Nordstrom's Bloomingdale's. Um, we still sell to PacSun like online, but we used to do in-store PacSun and we just weren't a big enough company to like battle with those guys. Those are, those are like, the big dogs and they push you around a little bit especially back then when their social media wasn't as big so you you needed a storefront to be a name you can't just use instagram or tiktok or whatever else is out there nowadays like yeah you had to grind and build to that spot it, and it was a big deal like a couple of years ago it was like we were in bloomingdale's yeah, and huge. like that you can leverage that and you can take that to other places to get in like different retailers um but now it's like if I tell you, like, we're in Bloomingdale's, people are like, uh, okay. But it's like... <laughs> I don't want to drive to the Florida yeah. Mall. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, everyone's like, okay, I haven't sh actually shopped at a Nordstrom or anywhere like that in forever. So, like, times are changing. and But I think for us, it was, like, back to that whole, like, wholesale retail conversation cash flow. We started just leveraging and overextending ourselves to, like, make these guys happy meet their demands because they pretty much call the shots yep. i mean there's some negotiation that goes on but at the end of the day they're like you need us we don't need you correct like, they can strong arm yeah. anyone <laughs> and then when you start like something goes wrong you get you actually start getting invoices from them so like Oof. they're expecting you know like out of nowhere like here's a twenty thousand dollar bill like pay it in the next 30 days you're just like wait what like you're supposed to be paying yeah, us wait, like, we have to pay on top of giving you the clothing what yeah so it's just a learning curve and so we kind of backed our way out of that 
Um, and we're just like, maybe we'll do that eventually again. But I think we just need to be bigger, have a stronger infrastructure. And like, you know, we're now like even today, we're in a much better place where we could handle something like that. But a couple of years ago, we were just like, we were just over our heads a little bit. And um, like I said, we started, we never had jobs like other than working in a surf shop. So um, it's just been learning on the fly. And um, so, yeah, we work with a lot of specialty retailers and then it's a, it's a lot of direct to consumer now. When you were doing like the Suns, the Bloomingdale's, was this all before Chase or any big influencer at yep. all? Well, is is that what it took to boom from those stores? Was kind of those influencers spreading the name? Yeah, I think we felt a lot more comfortable not being in there once our online picked up to a pretty big degree. Um like even like we stopped doing trade shows. I mean, it was more a uh, um, product of COVID, but like because all these trade shows started shutting down, and then yeah. like we just kept operating, and we're like, well, actually, like we're still growing. Like we're doing all the stuff we needed to do without paying all these this like big budget Boost. to go to a trade show. Yep. So we're like, do we really need to? Um, I think eventually we'll probably go back and do some, but it's just like looking at that stuff and like having the online base just to support like the pressures off of that kind of stuff where we don't have to have it. Do you think if you did a trade shows again, do you think you would go from the back of the booth, probably like in the past where you're in the back of the hall at the convention center? Are you going to be front and centered? Yeah. I I mean, I don't location wise, who knows? I, I like someone like Surfex, but I have a great relationship with them. So like we could, they'll put us in a great spot, but I would say that we would definitely like carry a little more weight there now. I'd say Um, you'd probably be a headliner. Yeah. Before, because like, especially expo, like that was a Florida show. So we had some name recognition, but like we would do agenda in California and we were like the no name crew out there. We were like begging people to get in our booth where even like now, I think if we went out there, like we'd have people that wanted meetings and like, like oh, okay duvin's here like that's super cool that's dope so yeah. and then so we did the trade shows covid hit when the pandemic hit where was the business at and then how did you guys transition or maneuver through that um the business was in a good spot but when covid hit it was like combo of the chase stuff was early in covid and then just everyone buying stuff online i think it was like a fire from both ends where it like it just started growing like crazy. Um, I'd say that I was extremely nervous. I was like, I, if we put seven years into this and then like COVID happens and all our manufacturing shuts it's down and gone to shit, we're fucked. Like I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to be so sad. <laughs> like that's the curveball I would have not expected, but thankfully we, our sales grew our manufacturing with a few hiccups but I'd say we actually handled it better than like a lot of um, clothing brands did. And we kind of just maneuvered our way through it. We had to switch like our uh, entire manufacturing process on the fly. So like two months before a line dropped, we just switched completely to a new factory and like got some quick samples and just prayed that. What was the reason you had to switch? Because of closings? Yeah, just they couldn't open back up like things they were their pricing was getting crazy. Um, And in the end, we ended up 
finding a much higher quality manufacturer for even cheaper for us. So it oh, was wow. like an amazing combo that like with the growth of sales, like actually like it became a real business at that point where like it started funding itself. We're growing. We could start paying for more marketing. And then that snowball just started going and going. What's a cool trend that I'm while you're saying all this, I'm starting to realize it in the pod is everyone I'm having on obviously went through the pandemic. And since, you know, I think everyone I've had on is in their, you know, 35 or younger, that means their business is probably a, was a baby or like Christy, they started house on laying during the pandemic. Uh, So it's kind of cool that everyone I'm having on went through probably the, one of the biggest battle tests for any startup. Um, and still maneuvering getting through it that's uh that's a lot of kudos to all of y'all yeah it was that was a pretty crazy time and i think for us like we had a solid base already that got us through that um for someone like house on lang i mean their store is awesome i love the way like the vibe they have like we actually sell to them they're great but like to open a physical retail without a customer base built in is like during COVID extremely impressive. I was so shocked when they told me they opened November of 2020. And I was like, during the bottom, I think a lot of what's funny is they're so artsy and creative that I don't really know if they had time to like overthink or overstress that they're trying to open a business from scratch during a pandemic. Yeah. I mean, and especially physical retail. I mean, I don't, I guess Obviously, being in Florida, that helped yep. um, where a lot of stuff stayed open when a lot of places didn't. But, um, yeah, like my parents' retail store in California, that was shut down for, I don't even know, a year and a half. Like, Might still be shut yeah, down. Yeah, <laughs> like they just wouldn't let them open. And so it's like for a lot of people, how do you stay in business like that? That's it's, insane. I went to New York November of 2020. And that was tough because um, I went to visit someone that lived in New York and we were walking through certain uh, areas of it and she was sharing how there's these restaurants like that were well known, have been around for 30, 40 years as like a staple of New York City and they're just shut down completely, done, business gone. Yeah, and It's just crazy that like these businesses that put in all that work, blood, sweat and tears the journey that, you know, we're hearing through these podcasts and they went through that just for, you know, it's to brutal. be shut down for good. It's it's brutal. Yeah, it's tough to think about some of that stuff because there's a ton that didn't make it. So a lot. Yeah. And how do we get in the stores? Like, how did you get into those re- retail spaces? What did you do? Like just reach out to them from scratch or was it still connections? Yeah, it was uh, some connections, some reaching out, but I think what kind of shaped the business and was kind of cool um, by doing retail first and not having a background doing this. Like if we, like if I had to do it all over again, I could, we could do it very quick, have great branding, like have a finished product that came out like day one, like launch a brand, but not having any of that experience for us, like 
the retail aspect kind of naturally shifted us into what we are. And that was just because we'd go to a retailer and they're like, I have Quicksilver, Volcom, and Billabong. Like, why do I need Duvin? Yep. And they're like, this stuff, look, it's a logo t-shirt and it's more expensive and no one knows who you are. Your logo can't outweigh uh, yeah. uh, the Billabongs, the Volcoms, Hurleys. Like. Exactly. Like if a kid's going to come in and he can buy a $24 Volcom logo or a $35 Duvin logo and he's never heard of Duvin, I'm going to lose that battle a hundred times out of a hundred. So just naturally we were like, okay, well then it's got to be something way more unique that they don't have. And then we could get the shelf space. So that's where the tie dyes and the like complete like pinks and like people are like, guys aren't going to wear pink like this makes no sense but we just kept pushing it and then like a few people would be like actually i have nothing that looks like that in my space so we'll take it we'll try it and then it obviously would stand out like if you walk into a store and it's all muted colors and there's a section of floral pinks tie-dyes nylon hats like just all this weird kind of like different stuff you're like you're just going to naturally at least look at it yeah and so it gave us a fighting chance and and a lot of retailers it sold really well and like those retailers like are still like with us we're still with them and what's what's interesting would you take credit for that that part of it where the design had to pivot a little bit to make sure that you stood out to go retail yeah i i'd say i mean I didn't like go into it being like, this is what needs to happen. But just once we started getting feedback and then like we'd brainstorm as a group and be like, all right, well, how do, what's the answer to that? Like, what are you going to respond to Sean? And eventually it was like, well, why don't we just make the stuff that doesn't look like anything in there? And then they can't say like, I already have that. And so that it kind of just naturally pushed us into that. And then, I'd say like for me personally and like style wise, it just kind of was lucky that I was like into that. Like me personally, I was into like streetwear and fashion and like I was following all these brands and I was like, this is what's like really cool. Like these small companies that are coming up. So I had like stuff that I was interested in and it just kind of like came together that way. What's really cool about that is normally when you have these situations of trying to, especially in a retail setting where you're trying to get into these stores, normally when you're having difficulties getting them, it's more of the, or at least I think naturally, the sales side of it wants to say, hey, how do we create a a marketing plan or more of a sales strategy to get past that barrier? You guys kind of went hey, let's just make sure our design separates us and then everything will kind of fall in line that way. Yeah, I think for it's tough too on the retail side because it's there's only so much shelf space. Yep. And like someone like House and Lang or like my parents at Curl, like every inch matters. Mm-hmm. And if like they're not going to waste that space, like they're paying – you know, monthly and like it has to be executed to the best ability possible. So I, you could have the best sales pitch in the world, but like if they don't believe deep down that it adds and it's going to sell, it doesn't matter. And so it's just like kind of a different approach. And I'm sure there's other people that have done that. I'm not claiming that that's like a unique angle for us, but I think it just kind of shaped us. And that's how we ended up where we are. You know, what's smart is, I think retail and grocery store shelf space kind of 
but they're similar because everything else i maybe i'm just biased because i come from a sales background but sales can kind of do the other sides of things but when it comes to you know hanger rack or table shelf space or shelf space at a grocery store your branding how it looks the eye appeal that's a lot more important than any type of sales because you're not you're not hiring the sales agents themselves. It has to catch the customer's eyes just from them looking. Yeah, I'd, I'd say like it's very relationship based um, to at least to start. But then you have to have the product to back it up. Mm-hmm. And if you don't, you're you're screwed. I think like great salespeople that are selling real estate, timeshare, cars, whatever. That person's like personally involved in all those transactions, and like being a great salesperson helps. But something like this, Connect. like there's a one to one meeting behind that no one ever is going to see. And the sales person is your packaging and the story and the quality. So that's almost more important than like your ability to just like one on one sell, I'd say, at least in terms of like a retail store. Yeah, retail and uh, grocery shelf, the, those are very two distinct on their own that I think it's their own separate like business uh category because i don't think people realize how hard it is to get on shelf space in yeah. any retail version well especially grocery stores i've heard from multiple people and um, startups just how hard it is to get a new product from inception to like your local whole foods like it's, it's, it's grind possible yeah I, I think a lot of it has to do with humans go to a grocery store probably once a week. Not not many things we do is a once a week thing. And so when you have something that happens that often in life, a lot of people, when they have this idea of wanting to start a business, well, what's the most common thing that they know? Hey, the grocery store, let's create some food or something there. And then it's just too much competition. Yeah. But 100%. you to compete against the big retail chain, so that's a little different too. You're not going against the brands on the shelf. You're actually going against the owners of the shelf. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think there's that. And then, like, today, like, I'd say, I mean, there's a few competitors out there that are, like, clothing companies like us that started up. But things are changing so fast to the point that I'd say our competitors are, like, influencers and merch. And there's all these people, like, starting brands that have a huge following built in and um, like that's kind of like the next frontier of like okay yeah like you don't hear about vol i mean no offense but like volcom like those brands like that's not our competitor anymore it's like logan paul and like <laughs> or whoever yeah, i mean yeah, like whatever they were famous like russell westbrook's a great example yep. his brand honor the gift is sick and they have crazy backing. I know the guy on the clothing side, Chris, uh, dude's awesome, like knows what the fuck he's doing. And that brand's going to just be everywhere. Like it's already becoming a thing. But like it's just stuff like that where it's like, do you want Russell Westbrook on the pod talking about <laughs> his clothes or what? So just it's like, a logo. Yeah. So it's just, you know, like that's the next thing where it'll be interesting to see how it all flows out. I think that's a big point too. And again, while you're saying it, I'm starting to like realize things too, where the whole journey of startups, I think they're getting more appreciated because now it's more about the person or the soul behind it, whether it's Russell Westbrook kind of creating his own thing. 
people are not buying the brand, but more of the soul behind it. And yeah, it's Russell Westbrook, but Volcom, you know, no offense to them, but I, I don't know their story and yeah. I've worn plenty of Volcom stuff, but it was just always a brand. That was it. Yeah. And that's what, like, I have a lot of people that like hit me up, um, and they're like, how do I do this? Like, I want to start a clothing brand. And I mean, there's a million, like that could be a five hour conversation, but I think like one of our key things moving forward. And I think anyone starting now is like the content strategy and the storytelling. Like that's almost like what your business is going to be. Yep. Um, clothing will be a secondary thing. You have to do it well. You have to have quality stuff, but like, trying to start a clothing brand with a random name no content or story behind it in this world is impossible you just got nothing so if you like i see a lot of people um starting brands that are like youtubing them starting a brand and like that concept's super cool and people all of a sudden are very interested because they're like oh what are they doing this month to like grow and like it's just like an interesting story. There's a never ending content stream and then people are invested. And so I think, yeah, it's kind of like looking at it from that perspective on um, kind of the future and going forward. Journey over destination now. A hundred percent. I think that's huge because I feel like journey maybe before I was born was more of it than the destination. And then we went on this uh, instant gratification or just surface level like labels or logos and then now i think we're with social media where we missed having that story and being a part of things and now i think people just want that again yeah i've seen it pick up i wish that we had been like recording and taking more photos the whole time so like all these stories that i have that like are (laughs) so insane of the first like seven years of this business that like I wish I had a camera guy following me around and like <laughs> just filming it all because it would just be amazing content. But it, you know it's just not there. But like all these new startups, they have that, and I think that'll be super cool. Like looking five, ten years down the line, if some of them make it, like they will have this catalog of stuff, and I think that'll be really cool. Well, whenever you have any big movement in the business or changes. I mean, you could hop on the pod again. Yeah. And we can kind of share the journey as it goes. I, I kind of like that being able to connect with these, you know, startup owners and say, hey, you know, you're doing this. I kind of want your whole journey to be not just where we're at now and how it started up, but that journey doesn't end. There's going to be way more stuff that happens. So why not keep sharing it? Keep people in the loop. Yeah, 100%. And I think we've gotten to a point now where like our team's growing a lot and we're adding a lot more people to, to the squad and it's allowing us to kind of do more stuff. Like we were just maxed out to the point where like we're just sitting at our computer all day, every day, just to like meet the bare minimum needs to like keep the business like running. Mm -hmm. And we would talk to people and there's like, what do you mean? There's only three of you, <laughs> you know, for, or for a while, like, and we were like putting out this perspective. And I mean, we were growing, like we were decent sized business, but like we were just doing it as scrappy as possible. And the sweat equity behind it was really what was pushing. But now like we're bringing more people in that are very talented. And um, I think for us, it's like, 
how do we start telling our story a little more and doing the content, the video, podcast, different stuff where it's like, I don't have to be as involved in like every niche thing of every day where I can like branch out and do more marketing and stuff like that. So are you going to keep that? So I was actually looking at your visual highlights on the gram and those are, I think over a hundred weeks old. And I, I was just, I think I got kind of lost in them. I was just letting them play out and just watching them. You think you'll bring kind of that? Cause that was good content. Yeah. A little different than nowadays, but that's one like thing um, that I've always really enjoyed doing. And that seems like people have always really enjoyed. I just haven't figured out how to package it, but like the whole mood board and vision thing, mm-hmm. I've created like a ton of different versions. And that's like an old one that I've just kept. Cause I actually, I really like that one. Um, but people always like are messaging. It's like, wow, this is sick. And it's just, random stuff photos from my phone inspiration cool stuff i find um now it gets a little weird too just like copyright and Mm -hmm. giving like finding ways to give people credit if i pull something from somewhere obviously i don't want to steal something and be like this is mine but it's just like i'm putting together a mood board for myself and then kind of just like showing people like actually this is what i'm interested in and that seems to land pretty well and so how many people do you have working for you now there's probably about seven people in house. Then we have multiple agencies kind of doing like Google, Facebook, like um, ads. Yeah. Or? Just ads management. Um, we were trying to do a lot of that in house. Um, but I eventually just got to the point of like, we need someone full time managing this and like has more experience. Um, so we've gone through a few different like transitions on that stuff, but found some like really good people that have been able to help us there. Um, and then there's a ton of artist consultants that, um, you know, we just work with us part time on projects. So do you think you guys are ever going to open up your own manufacturing or cause I know those aren't cheap at all. So yeah. that's a, that's a whole different growth. Yeah. That would be like learning a whole new business. Yeah. Um, a lot of people ask us like, why don't you just own a screen printer? And I think that would be like a easier start than like a full cut and sew. But regardless, you don't want to take a drop off in quality. Yeah. Just those, to... those businesses are like very difficult businesses to run in their own. And they require a lot of employees and like the screen printers that we work with, like trying to replicate that like while we're doing our business i'm just like no i talk about the accounting number side of that that just changes things to a whole nother level yeah i think it would just be an added nightmare for a potential small margin gain that eventually that i just i don't see it happening well so where we're at now with the company what's the plan moving forward are we kind of riding the same wave are we have any big plans or uh, pivots in place yeah i mean it's it's really like i feel like the past year we've like found our stride of like this is the business this is the product like everything like i'm just very confident in so it's really just pushing that forward and finding a way to like showcase that to more people. So we have a lot of really cool collabs that I can't really talk about yet. Maybe I can come back. Is there, 
As one's a golfing one, correct? Well, so last year we did this past year we did a collaboration with Puma and Ricky Fowler. Yeah, I don't want to drop the name in case. Yeah, you couldn't. no, no. So <laughs> that one's coming back for next year, and like I can talk about that a little bit. But it's yeah, that one what did amazing. Like got a ton of press. Like it crushed it for Puma. Oh, and, wow. it crushed it for them. Yeah. So like they were very happy with and like the content that we did for that because that's really like what we bring like they have the name they have the following like what we bring is like maybe a unique vision Style. for their clothing and then also like a unique vision on how to showcase that. Um, so Ricky like Fowler is kind of the perfect golfer too. Yeah, like he was wearing the bucket hat like a few weeks ago, and he started playing pretty good. And everyone was calling him Bucket Hat Rick, <laughs> and uh, that was our hat. So that was pretty cool. Like and stuff like that. Now I'm just like, what the heck is going on? Like Ricky Fowler's playing a pro PGA event, wearing a Duvin hat, and like their announcers are like, what is he wearing? Like everyone seems to be vibing it. Like and like that's like super surreal kind of experience but yeah, t tell us what goes on in your head in a moment like that because that's that's an extreme of feeling accomplished yeah it's like those early moments when you like we would see someone wearing a duvin shirt and we're just like i actually don't know that person like that just on the street yeah <laughs> that tripped me out you know and then it's like that just slowly starts to build and then, like, I took a trip to Colorado, and, like, guy on my flight was wearing Duvin. The first bar we went to was wearing Duvin. We went to Red Rocks. Do you go up to them at all and tell them anything? Sometimes. Or? I don't like saying that I uh, founded, it. founded it. Sometimes they, like, if they're, like, really into it, they, they'll they know who I am. But for the most part, they don't know what's going on. So I'm just like, I love the clothes, dude. <laughs> oh, so you didn't even say you work for them. You're yeah, just supporting sometimes. your own brand without Some, them knowing. Sometimes. I just, like, maybe it's worth more if I just hype them up and I'm not with the brand. I don't know. Yeah. But, uh, and then, like, that, so that's, like, to me, like, we'll never get old, like, just seeing random people. But then the next level of that is, like, the TV stuff, the celebrities, like announcers, like talking about it. It's like, I'm sitting on the couch, just like, what the heck? Like, it's so cool. So I don't think that'll ever get old. Do you ever like rewind and like replay it and just kind of like dwell in that moment? Not, I will always try and record it just so I have all those like, that's like moments. A, that's like winning us any sport championship. Like that's when they fall on the field and they just lay there and they're like, I know this is one of those moments I'll remember forever. This is it. I'm in a moment. Let me live in it. Don't bother me. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah, it's definitely something where it's like, it's to the point now where like I'm cognizant of it and like how lucky we are to like experience it. And I just, we, yeah, we want to record everything, keep it and like storage and just make sure that like now moving forward, we can build that catalog catalog of all these like super cool moments and look back and be like holy shit like that was that was really cool and as we get bigger and bigger like these moments kind of get bigger and it it's definitely trippy like i there's a few coming next year that i'm like it's like trips me out and uh yeah like it's uh one particularly that was like a joke when we started and it was like if we could ever get this that would be like we made it and it's coming next year and so like that's just like i don't know it's it's weird but it's it's awesome 
Anyone that's close to me knows that I'm in that moment right now, having doofed yeah. on, <laughs> having even put out an episode in my number one choice. Oh, uh, you're just trying to inflate my ego a little bit. But it's I on a podcast, that. dude. All my other uh, people I recorded is gonna hear this. So <laughs> I can't. Really yeah, you threw lie yourself right under the bus. Yeah, I think they all knew. I okay. think I told them. Um, yeah, I kept Sam, Christy in the loop, and Love it. when I even brought up that I uh, Bree reached out and was like, you know. I reach out to Clay and Austin. It's really cool. And I was like, oh, I, I don't think that it's real life yet. Like, I don't think I'm there yet, but oh, fuck it. Like, whatever. I'll just reach out. And it played out and I was like, holy shit, here we are. Well, it's fun. I have like, I've done a few podcasts, but I actually want to do more. And so like one, like I was happy to do this, but two, I want to, just see how the setup. I want to get more comfortable behind a microphone or in front of a camera. And uh, yeah, I just, I want to do more of this. So I thought it was a great opportunity. And I've done this multiple times on podcasts just starting and they never <laughs> got released. <laughs> and, oh, damn. and I'll, you know, I was like, ah, I don't know on that front, but like you were so dialed in and like we had actually the connections, like the other ones were just random people. And like we have a lot of we're in the same group, essentially, yeah. without really knowing each other, yeah. I guess. <laughs> but um, I was like, no, this is it's going to be good. And like your all your stuff was so dialed. I was like, I know it's, it's going to be legit. So, oh, yeah, that's that's dope. Because, yeah, I'm fucking doing this from I'm just flying on the pants of my seat right now. I have no idea. I was like, I've never started a podcast. I listen to them, started businesses. I know the stories. Uh, I've been in sales, so I, I like talking. And then let me just put all this together and see what the fuck You've happens. You've got it dialed, dude. I think you know what you're doing. I think I'm getting there. Yeah. I think, uh, you're the, very comfortable behind the mic. Yeah, this mic is just here in front of me. I don't even see it until I focus down and I'm staring yeah. at it now. Uh, it's that light over there. But um, So kind of wrapping this thing up, where – where we where's the business at right now and i know we have some plans for bigger names are you guys reaching out to these people or are they now reaching out to you combination yeah so i think um some of the collaborations we did with puma and then orlando city soccer so that was our first professional uh sports team but just the execution i think like we have, I mean, again, like I'm kind of like puffing myself up, but like we have a, a unique view. And I think like applying that to other spaces is like kind of cool. And so like for us, like doing or a soccer club yeah, and a like professional team. Yeah. Like doing merch for them is one for us. Very cool. But then two, like the other side for them is it works out well because like all of a sudden they're getting a ton of content and all this like unique stuff that like completely stands out to what they're normally pushing out. Uh, not that like that stuff's not good, but it's just like it freshens stuff up. And so I think like on top of us being able to leverage and reach out to other people, there's been some pretty big companies and names that are now hitting us up that are like, we want you to kind of apply that vision of what you did for them, but for us. And some of them don't make sense, and we probably won't do them. And we, I still want to like, I'm, I annoy everyone because <laughs> I'm the picky like 
protector of the brand. Yeah. And I'm just like, if it doesn't seem right to me, like it doesn't make sense in my head that these two things would be paired up, then we're not doing it. And yeah, you have so- a unique business that's very connection almost a a lifestyle in a sense so if it doesn't vibe with it you can't go down that route it's going to ruin everything you've put into it and all the you know the customers are our group of people they like are here for a certain thing you know yeah and so to just like try and like hijack sell that out and like just be like oh we're gonna do this random thing that and it's like a little hypocritical because some of the stuff like that you see that might come out, you'd be like, that doesn't make sense. But to me, it like, it's super cool. Like the combination, <laughs> like I'm like, I'm into, but if it's just like a weird brand that doesn't make sense, I'm like, okay, no, I don't know if you're allowed to say this on here, but did you have any concerns initially about Orlando city? And then I would think that, naturally you're like a sports team it might not fit and then you probably shared your ideas and they were open to it and then is that kind of where you're like all right maybe this could work yeah and i think um like that's a a perfect example of like you wouldn't expect that combination and they have to be specifically open to a certain style which is unique in a sports branding yeah and i think with them it, it really worked out that we were based here and that was a selling point where they're like we have a following here. It just tied together very easily. Um, but the stuff that we made for them, you wouldn't expect really. Like it was very out there, and I was surprised that they wanted to go that direction. Yeah, because that's not a normal sports team. Thing. Yeah, and um, <laughs> it it went really well. Like you go to the stadium and you see it everywhere. Um, they were selling it in stadium and on our site, and we sold through everything. They sold through everything, and. Um, yeah, apparently, like, it it made a pretty big impact. So, like, the MLS is going to be kind of showcasing that to all of the teams as, like, an example of, like, oh, shit. what they should be, like, looking to do. <laughs> so, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, you could see a lot more of that in the future of not necessarily from us, but I think there is a trend in that direction of, like, sports teams trying to get involved instead of with, like, a coca-cola sponsorship like a more of an upstart that can't provide the monetary stuff but can provide the young people the cool factor like a unique angle on what they're doing and you see that with the miami heat too with their you know unique vice jerseys kind of bringing yep. in the city uh what is the city known for what the brands the style and they incorporated it and i don't know if you follow like basketball or miami heat specifically but yeah that was our hottest uh, brand was that Miami Vice, and they milked that out for like four years. Yeah, and, but it made sense, right? And I think one of the interesting things, like Dwayne Wade, um, he I don't know what his level of ownership, but he's owner of the Jazz now. Oh, yeah. And immediately over the summer, since he came in, full brand redesign, new colors, new uh floor new jerseys the merch is going to be i've seen some of it already and i'm like damn like it's cool and so like to me that makes way too much sense like that should have our all the teams should be doing that um and i think some are just a little worried it's a it's definitely like a new world but like you get someone like Dwayne wade who's like very fashion conscious understands culture and like the internet and like 
you plug him into like a multi-billion dollar sports team he'll make it cool he knows like yeah because you got to think the owners and the gms and whoever's making the calls they weren't in this uh stage of life where they're used to this kind of bright poppy style and then now that these initial players that kind of created their own style are now retired still young but now they can do their own thing and now all of a sudden they're like well let me do my old job and incorporate it to this new style and they are kind of creating their own thing and now you get to kind of hop on and be a part of it yeah and i don't like blame those people like that's not their job description like yeah to make a sports team like relevant and i mean maybe there are positions marketing and stuff but like generally like the guys running the show at these huge companies like that's not their objective and like that's not how they process so i think like bringing people in and like um there's been a few nba collabs i've seen where super cool um but yeah i think you're just going to start to see more and more of that like across the board like unexpected stuff that people come in and just like launch these super cool collabs yeah duvin's got dwayne wade and tyler hero what's up fuego dego i know dwayne's (laughs) That was another one when he started rocking the gear. I was like, holy shit. Like, cause he's like the fashion guy in the NBA. Like he's, I mean, there's a few of them, but like. He was one of the first, the first ones that made going to the game in their attire. Actually like a. The tunnel show. Yeah. A little fashion show. Yeah. Before it was just suits, just go to work or casual and not give a fuck. But now it's like. Cause it went from like not giving a fuck to then David Stern, I think he made them wear suits and ties into yeah. every game. So that like <laughs> back, you like see him walking in these like crazy baggy suits with ties, the big ones from the, what was it? I think it was like Chris Bosh and LeBron. Yeah. Absurd. All in that one with those big suits that don't <laughs> fit. They're absurd looking. And then eventually, Carmelo. yeah. T-Mac, I think has some good uh, suit photos, but oh yeah he had a- um yeah eventually like that phased out and then like you said earlier like now guys are interested in like fashion style all this stuff so like all these new guys getting drafted like we like are in contact with some of them like i i keep an eye on like which ones i think would be a cool fit and like some of these guys they're getting drafted in the first round and their instagram's more dedicated to their outfits than basketball yeah. which is crazy also I don't want to say it, but a little sad. But yeah, but it ruins the game, but it helps the fan base and the personality of the game. Too, yeah, which... and it builds their brand, and like those guys are already being like becoming known. And I think for I think their Shaq style. kind of maybe led that too, saying, "Hey, basketball is a piece, but yeah, we can use basketball to create ourselves for the the long haul. Mm-hmm. Like ourselves will go longer than us trying to rep the NBA even after we retire." I mean, yep. Shaq's everywhere now. Look at yeah, him. Yeah, I mean, I think he's a billionaire now. I'm pretty sure he it's makes. Just... I this is a maybe a false stat, but pretty sure he probably makes more now in one year than he made his own NBA career. Yeah, I mean, um, I went to Staples the other day and they had a cutout of him like with his like Shaq desk and Shaq chair, and I was like, I mean, what? Five guys? What? Papa John's? This dude? This dude DJs now? Like, yeah, shit, he's at uh uh edc vegas or whatever just jumping with the crowd yeah it's crazy so to kind of wrap it up and i i mean hopefully i'm gonna have you on soon enough yeah we're definitely part two three four five six seven but uh (laughs) uh, what's kind of uh 
What's a good feedback that you want to give to all listeners, whether they're starting something or just maybe following what they want to do? I think, I mean, it sounds so cliche and you like hear it all the time, but like the whole passion piece is like, especially if you don't have the experience to back it up. Cause I just think when you look at social media, you everything looks like it's happening at light speed mm-hmm. and everyone's killing it. And you're just like, I've fallen into that trap. False illusion. And yeah. I'm just like, fuck, like why are all these people like blowing up so much more than we are? And like, that's just going to be the case no matter what. And to be honest, you're looking at like the outlier of the outlier that the you're point zero 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 one percent yeah and i mean like some even would consider like us the outlier and then i'm like oh like you know so like you kind of have to take a step back and like realize like you start something especially if you don't have a ton of experience you're not gonna just roll into something and blow it up immediately yeah, i think it takes time it takes time and consist- consistency i think that's like, where passion comes in too because exactly. that helps with consistency yeah i'd say like we weren't good for <laughs> a long time but we just kept doing it and like all the brands there's like a handful that are maybe still around that like i used to be like oh these are our competitors like they're all gone like i was gonna say i feel I was going to ask you earlier, like in your Austin crystal ball, yeah. do you think these um, Volcoms and Hurleys, you see them kind of fading out right now? Yeah, those are like, it's just timing, you know, like it's not even a judgment on them. Like they, uh, some of them were like public companies, like forcing growth, like they were supposed to do that. But like, you can just it's hard get to last that long. Yeah. And to, to remain relevant that long. Um, and so, yeah, like they're just in different stages. Um, yeah. But I think like, yeah, like anyone starting now, like I remember when I was going to start Duvin, I went to this guy. He owns a company called Hippie Tree. I don't know yeah. if you've ever seen yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Super cool dude. And he wants to come on the pod. He told you. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe if you go up to California, he would probably do it. That's kind of the plan. Yeah. Okay. Not California, but travel around. It. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've probably got a few people that you would be good for you to talk to. Um, but I remember going into his booth. He has no idea who I am. And I'm like, what's your advice? Like, I'm starting a brand. And he looked at me dead in the eyes <laughs> and he's like, don't fucking do it. and i was just like what like and it bummed me out at first i like walked away and i was like damn this guy i was like what's that guy's fucking deal (laughs) and then like looking back it's like that's almost like what i tell people now i'm like don't fucking do it and a lot of people i've told that maybe it's fucked up like they haven't like i've i've fucked up their journey but like there's a couple people that I said that to and completely ignored me. And those are the guys that are f- killing it. You know, I think those comments from that motivated us. I think it's a filter Yeah, where they hear that and it kind of eliminates, I don't want to say the weak, but maybe the ones that don't have enough passion to fight through comments or people telling them yeah. that the ones that say, well, fuck that person's opinion. This is it. I'm going to do it. Those are the ones that have enough passion that they are going to make it. No, 100%. And I think it's like a lot of people 
kind of have these business ideas and like they'll just talk about it forever and they're like this is what i'm thinking like what do you think can i like come pick your brain and i'm like yeah i used to do, like do the pick your brain meetings all the time <laughs> and i was like that le never led to one thing no like, it never did anything and like the couple guys that i was just like yeah, and then they kept coming and they kept asking one guy like interned at Duvin. He'd actually be a great person to, uh, for you to talk with. He runs a company called Pearl Divery here in Orlando. Um, and he started like selling vintage stuff. He's got a showroom now oh, downtown. Yeah. He makes his own stuff locally, like super badass. Nice. Like, and he tells like super cool stories on YouTube. Like guys, he he's got the eye he's got it like but i remember him coming in and he's like this is my idea like whatever and he's like working for us in the warehouse and i'm like okay yeah like i'll help you because <laughs> he was like so persistent like like i want he would bring his stuff like show it to me and i was like okay this guy's like serious that's what it takes man. yeah so Good then i him. like i was like not taking any credit like he's got the vision like he's got it dialed but i just kind of helped him like kind of like be a sounding board basically early or early mentor yeah but like someone like that like i could be like don't do it and he just doesn't care at all he's gonna do it you yeah. know and i think like that's kind of the vibe you have to have of um being super into it and like if i said you were gonna do it for four years and not pay yourself like you're gonna still do it like i think that's a big question that's a great question if you're gonna start something yeah because that's it's probably going to happen if you do do it. <laughs> so it's depending not even, on it's not even a hypothetical. That might be real. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a good, depending on what the, the startup is and your positioning, you have investors, like all this stuff. But yeah, there's a, there's a good chance you're going to eat dirt for a little bit <laughs> and uh, got to enjoy it. Eat that shit and yeah. like it. <laughs> well, sh do a shout out for the company. Uh, give your Instagram info and things like that. Yeah, the company Instagram is just at Duvin, D-U-V-I-N. Our website is duvindesign.com. Um, if you want to hit me up, my Instagram is Duval Night Long. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that. I, oh, it's a, I mean, I laugh every time I say it, but for some reason I haven't changed it since <laughs> high school. And uh, but yeah, um, you can message me. I'm ha I love talking to people and just yeah, especially like local people. Like I think it's super cool. Or if you have questions about the business, whatever, I'm happy to answer. Um, but yeah, you can just follow along there. We send a ton of emails out if you want to sign up for that do some cool like playlists like just do some cool content stuff that you might enjoy if you uh, check it out check out duvin's spotify playlist too i listened to a lot of it this morning it's pretty badass yeah they're doing the heavy lifting <laughs> there's a couple different playlists in there um and sean and then one of our new guy newer guys clay um in marketing they have a great ear for music so like that's like something they're passionate about it's like it's funny like even like micro like that like i'm into music but i have no want to go like search out find new artists yeah it's just like whatever i'm like yeah i'll fail. <laughs> just find random stuff when it comes listen to the same shit over and over and like they're super into it so like people that actually like follow our spotify are like always like damn this is sick <laughs> like you guys find all these like people for me and i'm like yeah like that's all them like i don't do any of that <laughs> but like they're good at it so well cheers austin hey, uh love I'm, drinking, I'm gone i'm empty you. had a couple beers while we we're here but 
I'll that's choose how you yeah, anyway. to do it to get through work at all. So. Yeah, exactly. Well, hey, man, thanks for coming on. Thanks uh, for mailing me these board shorts five, six years ago on time, by the Glad way. Glad they made it. Yeah, they actually came a day early. I still Ooh. remember. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks, man. I'll see you guys all soon. All right. Thanks, man.